We're going to talk about being free to be healed. We're going to talk about physical, miraculous healing from God. God has a history of healing people. Amen. You look through the scriptures and all through the Old Testament and then very much so in the New Testament, you see miraculous healing from God. It was a big part of the ministry of Jesus himself. Let's just read one verse on that. Matthew 9, 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So this was his ministry plan. Go do miracles, do healing, compassion miracles, physical healing, and other types of miracles, provision miracles, get everybody's attention, and then tell them the truth. It was a very effective method. Demonstrate the power of God and then tell them what's going on with the Lord. It was part of Jesus' ministry pattern, and he passed that on to his disciples. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, the very next chapter, says this, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So the plan of the Lord was to give spiritual blessings to people, to impart wonderful things to people, and then teach them to give those blessings and impart those things to other people. He taught his disciples, he helped them, and then he taught them to bring those things to others. That includes not just the the gospel message, but also the miraculous hand of God, of healing and deliverance and God's power. So let's apply The three steps that we talked about from John chapter 8, which is hold to the teaching, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's apply James chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 to those three steps and see where we get. James 5, 14 through 16 says this, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So, step one, how do we hold to that teaching? Well, basically, it means that we actually pray. We actually pray prayers of faith, believe in God for healing. We put that into practice. We see two kind of different pictures in verse 14 and verse 16. Verse 14 says, call the elders of the church together, have them anoint you with oil and uh, that prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Here in verse 16, so just two verses later, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Verse 14 sounds very formal. You know, you're making a formal request to the elders and you've got this process. Verse 16 seems quite a bit looser. You know, hey, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. It's not about finding the perfect exact form. It's about trusting God and what he can do. So uh, we want to pray for each other and confess our sins to each other. That is part of uh, holding to this teaching is getting prayer but also confessing sins one to another. Isn't that interesting? Confess your sins so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
is part of the process. That's very interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we work through the three steps. So we, we hold to the teaching. We put it into practice. We go ahead and pray. And let me tell you, pray early and often. Pray early and often. We want to pray for little bitty meaningless things. If you are a baseball player and the first time you ever swing a bat is in the World Series, it's probably not going to work out that well. If the first time you pray is a life or death situation, I mean, hallelujah for the grace of God. But go ahead and pray now over stuff that isn't that big of a deal. Start to learn how this works. Start to grab hold of the power of God. Start to see. I mean, I remember being a kid with a pine cone and a stick, you know, and you Doink, you're hitting the pine cone. Do that type of prayer. You know, Jesus said that we should pray things like, give us this day our daily bread. Simple things. Be praying early and pray often. Then you'll see the hand of God and you'll start to learn things. So as we do this, we begin to learn. Hold to the teaching, then you will know the truth. What are some of the things that we learn when we hold to this teaching to to pray if we're sick? Well, we learn that God heals. (laughs) And we have wonderful testimonies. I'm going to share a few testimonies in my own life, kind of some fun things. One time I was canoeing in the Boundary Waters, which I very much enjoy doing. And we had a horrible, horrible day the day before. You know, in the Boundary Waters, you can have some of the most miserable experiences you could ever have. And it can also be very, very wonderful. But we had a horrible day and we were very tired. And so we took a rest day. But that meant that our final day would have to be a double travel day. So we would have a really long day the next day. But this day, we're just relaxing because we're really tired from our horrible day the day before. And we caught a bunch of fish, and it was great. And so I'm cooking up some walleye fillets in my little deep fryer. You know, I had a little camping thing, and and I'm cooking up. And I dropped a walleye fillet in the hot oil, and it splashed over onto the inside of my ankle. That thin skin on the inside of my ankle just was six inches away, probably not the best place to have my foot, and bloop right onto my ankle. Now, the next day, we've got two miles of portages to get out. My kids are little, which means I carry a big aluminum canoe and then go back and get another one and carry it again. That means I've got four miles of carrying aluminum canoes in front of me the next day, plus two more miles of walking back. And I'm thinking, I can't have the skin on the inside of my ankle falling off because that's going to be a serious problem for the next day. So I ran down to the lake, stuck my foot in the water and said, Lord, come on now, please. This would be really, really helpful if I didn't have a serious problem here. I'd like the skin to hold together. Can you do that for me? And it changed colors, but it didn't do anything. It just, it all stayed right there. was all good. Hiked the six miles the next day. Everything was fine. We got out. And the day after that, it boiled up and bubbled and all fell apart. 48 hours. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if that's a healing or just a delayed response, but I'll take it. You know, I mean, that's great. We got out of there and it all worked out fine. That was really, really fun. And then uh, along the lines of how good do you have to pray in order to get a healing? This is a story I've told here before that I'll tell again, which is some years ago, it was probably 12, 15 years ago, I'm getting ready for church and my hand isn't working. I can't make the cords. I got carpal tunnel numbness and my hand, it just 
the cords are all, you know, they're not working. And I've had prayer before. We don't have health insurance. Can't go to the doctor. Just kind of hoping that everything will get better. And, and here was my wonderful prayer. Come on. That was the whole prayer. That was it. So I'm, I'm there by myself in church getting ready. I just shook my hand and said, come on. You know, and what I meant was, Lord, I need this thing to work for church to happen. You got to help me out here. And instantly the hand quit being numb. Dexterity was all back. It was fine. Like that day, haven't had a problem since. That's awesome. Now, hallelujah for that. You learn that God heals. Probably the most significant healing story I've got isn't a specific thing that happened, but my wife, Trinette, went from being a sickly person to a healthy person. She, for the first 15 20 years of our marriage, she was a sick person. You know, she's always getting an organ taken out or these things are going on, you know, like she's got tubes hanging out of her. Oh, what are they taking out of you this week? You know, that that whole deal. She's just always sick, always had problems. And then we began to learn some of these things of God and that God is good and he wants to help us out. And she started to learn how to apprehend uh, just the, the power for health. And she's now a healthy person. So that's just really awesome. And it's, it's fun to be married to the healthy Trinette. You know, it's just really, really great. So she went from sickly to healthy. And there's just these amazing things. One more little mundane one. This is fun. So when my little guy, Daniel, he preached a couple weeks ago. When Daniel was four, he had a wart on his finger. And he was mad. He was not a a pleasant toddler. It, you know, he just, he grunted a lot and he demanded things and that was just the way that worked. And he hated that wart. He was mad at it. You know, he just didn't like it. And so I said, well, hey, let's, let's just pray. Let's pray that that thing falls off. And I'm thinking, okay, well, either I am going to build the faith of my cute little four-year-old or I'm going to destroy the faith of my cute little four-year-old, whatever happens. But hey, uh, let's take a chance. Let's jump off the cliff and see what happens. So we prayed for that thing to just fall off. And two weeks later, it just fell off. And everything was fine. I mean, the skin underneath was perfect. It just, bloop, just fell off. And that was that. Hallelujah. So when we put these things into practice, we learn that God heals. Amen? When we put this into practice, we also learn that God heals some of the time. What are we supposed to do with that? You know, I mean, the testimonies are fun, but the other ones aren't so much fun. What do we do with that? We learn that God heals some of the time. I was a brand new pastor, just fresh out of uh, my correspondence classes, and uh, I'm the interim pastor of Monoman Assembly of God. We've got eight people, and back then we did testimonies and prayer requests. Then there was a guy, one of the eight people raised his hand. I'm like, Stanley, what's going on? Stanley says, well, I've had oral cancer before. All of the sores are back in my mouth. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow and I'm scared. All right, let's pray. So we had our little list. He stayed out in the congregation. He didn't come forward and anoint him with oil. We've got our little oil here for anointing people. He didn't come up. We just did our list of prayer requests. And one of them was Stanley. And after we were done praying for the list, I looked up and Stanley's just beaming. He's just happy as can be. I'm like, Stanley, what's going on? You know, let us know what's going on here. He says, it's all going to be fine. I'm healed. I feel great. 
I'm like, awesome. Go to the doctor tomorrow and come back next week and tell us what happened. So he goes to the doctor on Monday, comes back the next week. He says, all the sores are still there. They did all the biopsies, no cancer. It's all good. And then they just healed up over the next couple of weeks. And so one of two things happened. Either he got healed of the cancer, but not of the sores that the cancer caused. And then that all healed up. Or he never had cancer in the first place. And the Holy Spirit just confirmed in his heart, man, you got nothing to worry about. So one of those two things happened. So hallelujah, either way. In the same period of time, not the same day, we were praying for another lady who had cancer. And we had different churches in the community praying. We had special prayer nights. We had fasting and prayer days for her. And she just got progressively worse and then died. What are we supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? What are we supposed to do with that? Here's something you're not supposed to do with that. Whatever you do, don't ever, never, I mean, never, ever figure out who to blame. That's the most important thing. Oh, well, if they'd had more faith, they'd have been healed, and then it would all have been fine. It's their fault that they didn't get healed. Don't you do that. Oh, well, you know, how much faith did Lazarus have? He was dead. It's the prayers person's faith that causes the miracle. Oh, the people praying obviously didn't have enough. Or it's God's fault. You know, he just in his sovereign goodness wanted you to be miserable and die. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame the person getting prayed for. Don't blame the people praying. Don't blame God. Let's not do any blaming. Don't add condemnation to an already horrible situation. It's not good. We add love to bad situations. We add compassion to bad situations. We add prayer to bad situations. We don't add condemnation and blame to bad situations. All right, so that's what we don't want to do. Now, I see basically two ministry strategies. So like, I'm the guy in the front. What am I supposed to do with that? I see two very different ministry strategies. The first one is, look, just tell the good stories. Just tell the miracle stories. Just tell the testimony stories. Get everybody excited. Because if they hear testimony stories, they'll get excited and they'll be more likely to get healed. Also, make sure that they know for sure they're going to get healed. And say things like, you know, today is your day. God's going to do a miracle for you today. You come up to the front, you get prayer because today God will heal you. And you, you say that. And I'm firmly convinced that if that happens, we see more healings, but still some healings. And what happens to the people who don't get healed is their heart is broken because they have opened up in hope to God and then it didn't turn out. And there's a significant amount of damage done to those people. And that breaks my heart. So do you go for more healings but more heartbreak? Another example that's too far off is some people, they've seen God not do what they wanted him to do. So they just say, oh, God doesn't do that stuff anymore. That's just from the old days. That's from Bible times. It doesn't happen today. God doesn't heal. God doesn't do miracles. Those are both kind of bad options. What if we could have the faith of the people who just want to tell the testimonies and just want to say that God's going to do something great? If we had the faith of that, plus we had the protection over our hearts that this group has. What if we had both? Then we would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let's read from Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. We've got the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're having a confrontation with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is making everybody bow before these false idols. And so the Hebrew children are not going to do that. That creates a problem. Let's pick it up. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar is not taking this well. 
Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Would you be intimidated by the king at this point? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. They sound pretty confident. Now, it's interesting. They're not saying that they aren't going to get thrown in the furnace. They're saying, if you throw us in the furnace, our God will take care of us. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. This sound amazingly confident. Sound like the confidence of this group over here. Yeah, let's tell the testimonies. God's going to do it today. Today is your miracle. Let's grab it. Next verse. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Their confidence in God, their faith in God, their trust in God was not uh, going to be destroyed if they didn't get the result that they wanted. Even if he doesn't, we're going to worship him and not your idols. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we're going to love him and trust him and go with him. So what if we could be completely full of faith, trusting God, and not be heartbroken if we don't get the result that we want, but just say, you know what? Even if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to trust God and believe that he's well able to take care of all my needs. If we can have both of those then we can have more miracles and less heartbreak. We can open ourselves up to the greater power of God without risking real damage to people who have put their hope in the result rather than their hope in the God that loves them. That's where we need to get. Amen? Because the more we pray, the more faith we have, the more we grab hold of the good things of God, the, the better things will be, the more results we'll get. But I can't sacrifice people to grab hold of that. Once we have the emotional strength to have our faith and trust in God rather than in the results, but we're still believing for the results, then we can actually look at the situation and try to get better. You know, there are hindrances to prayer. There are ways we can do a better job and receive greater things from God. You know, this idea of receiving things from God is an active thing, not a passive thing. You, you know, the, the Greek word is, it's like to grab hold of, to apprehend, to, to seize when we receive things from God. So it's like a, a football player. You know, you got your quarterback and you got your receiver. The quarterback throws the ball to the receiver, but the receiver doesn't just stand there and have the ball bounce off of him. The receiver is running a route to try to get free from the defenders. And then when the ball comes in and it's a contested reception, the receiver fights to grab hold of the ball. And once he has it, he clutches it in because there's arms coming to chop that ball away and he receives it. He's actively fighting to get it. We should actively fight to receive the good things of God. It's a process that we get better at over time, and we want to do that with all the good things of God. We also want to do that with healing. 
So I have a list of hindrances to healing. It's, it's not a complete list, but it's a piece of the puzzle. The scripture references will be out in the sermon notes. Uh, they'll be posted in a day or two on the internet. So I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but you can get access to them that way. Things that hinder healing. Well, we already mentioned from James 5.16 that if we confess our sins, then we are better off being healed. And James 5.16 says, because the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, does the prayer of a hypocrite avail much? doesn't say that. It says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How do we become righteous? We get clothed in a righteousness that's not our own. It isn't about proving how good we are so that God will give us a healing. It's about being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So once we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we are a righteous person that can avail much. So we should confess our sins, get all that taken care of so that then we can trust God. So sometimes there's confession of sins that's necessary. First Peter 3, 7 basically says you got to treat your women right if you want God to answer your prayers. There you go. That's important. Dishonoring the body of Christ can bring judgment from God. The Corinthian church in their communion potluck experiences, the the love feasts that they had, were disrespecting each other in the midst of it and causing all kinds of problems. And the Apostle Paul says, that's why many of you are weak and sick and some have fallen asleep. It brought in judgment from God. Sometimes we need to develop ourselves spiritually into a deeper place. The disciples were praying for a child who was possessed by a demon that gave him seizures. And the disciples prayed, tried to cast the demon out. They were unsuccessful. Then Jesus shows up. There's a big ruckus If you've read the story from Mark chapter 9, there's a big ruckus, and the the dad says, I brought my child to your disciples to get the demon taken out. They can't do it, so can you help me out? And Jesus is like, oh, man, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And so... He casts the demon out, and the, and the boy falls down like he's dead, but he picks him up alive. I mean, this is a very harsh situation. And then afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus, how come we couldn't cast it out? I mean, this was embarrassing to us. We were here representing you, and we're praying, and it's not working, and everybody's looking at us, and we don't want to do that again. How can we get past that? And Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer, some manuscripts, prayer and fasting. What he's saying is you need to get to a deeper place before you can fight these kinds of battles. You need to get in deeper so we can learn and grow and progress in our prayer ability as we go through the three steps of hold to the teaching, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We'll know more and more truth over time as we continue to pray and continue to deal with these things. Lack of faith is a significant one as well. And there's others. I see three causes of sickness in this world. Number one, and this is in descending order of frequency. So most times that we're sick is because this is a cursed world. It's full of sickness and death. It's just stuff. You got chicken pox because chicken pox was going around. It's really not any more complicated than that. Most of the time, that's the way it is. Some of the time, it's a satanic attack where the devil is coming and causing a physical manifestation of his presence. That also happens. Then you resist the devil and he will flee. We'll talk about that next week. And sometimes... It's judgment from God. That's the least common. Sometimes it's judgment from God, like in 1 Corinthians. Now, the easiest one to deal with is the one where it's judgment from God. Because just repent. And then it's taken care of. That's an easy one. So you repent, and it's not taken care of. Now, guess what? It isn't judgment from God. 
So don't feel ashamed that, oh, God doesn't like me or God's judging me. If you've repented, then the judgment is gone. He takes it away. So don't start believing that God doesn't like you. Now you've got to deal with either it's the devil or it's just some natural thing, part of the curse. You've got to start dealing with that. So how do we get free? It's lots of things to learn with this healing thing, isn't it? It's not just simple. Lots of things to learn. How do we get free? Well, when we're getting to that place of freedom, we are free to believe for and receive healing. We're free to go take it. We're not afraid. We're not insecure. We're just going to go take what good things God is going to have in store for us. We're free to do that without any hindrance. We're free then to minister healing to other people. You know, freely you have received, freely give. When I was a new pastor, I was always worried that if I prayed for somebody and they didn't get the answer, that then that would reflect poorly on me. But here's the reality. I can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody. I can't do any miracles. I can do any of that. All I can do is try to access the power of God and have God do stuff. It's the only thing I can do. So it really doesn't reflect on us anyway. Whether or not we're willing to pray reflects on us. The results are up to the Lord. We trust him with that. So be free to minister healing without fear of condemnation or having it return on you somehow. It's not about you anyway. And then the greatest level of freedom that I see is free to trust God even in the heartaches of this life. I believe God wants to heal everyone. But I also believe that if you're someone who doesn't get healed and you fight for years in the midst of all kinds of pain and difficulty and you keep your faith in the Lord through that process and it even ends in death, that people will be inspired by the faith and tenacity and perseverance that you showed through that thing and it will be used for God's glory. Don't underestimate the power of that and don't underestimate how much God just loves to see his people persevere in faith when it's difficult. Don't underestimate how much he's cheering for you. Divine healing is really great. The miraculous healing of God is awesome and wonderful and glorious and temporary. Everyone that Jesus healed later died. Even Lazarus, who rose from the dead, got old and died. Physical healing is great and wonderful and beautiful and temporary. Maybe last a hundred years if you're a little kid when you get healed and, and you keep it. Maybe a hundred years. However, there is something from God that is eternal that you can hold on to, that you can keep. Let's read a promise. This promise is in the scriptures over and over, but let's read it from 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. What's this referring to? What you've heard from the beginning. This is the gospel. This is that you can trust in God and he has sent his savior to be a sacrifice for the world, that the sins of the world would be forgiven, that whoever would put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they would be forgiven and brought in as they endeavor to follow God's ways and follow God's plan for their life. As they give their life to Christ, they are brought in as a co-heir with Christ. If you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, that the gospel that you heard remains in you, if it does... You also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I think physical healing is great. It's not much compared to everlasting life in the paradise of God. We need to make sure we've got our hearts right with God. If you're a believer and 
you know, you've been a strong believer for a long time. Let's endeavor to remain thankful for everlasting life. Because we can get busy worrying about the things of this life and we can forget that we've got a future that's way better than this. We must stay thankful. And if you're someone who hasn't given your life to Christ, then do that today. All right? Ask for forgiveness from God. The price has already been paid. Just receive that forgiveness and walk with God. Give your life to the Lord and walk with Him. And the promise is eternal life. That's a great promise. Let's make sure we have that one. And let's believe God for His awesome miracles while we're here in this life.